Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. He came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So this morning we're looking at Peter walking on water. There's probably still a little bit of water up here. I can show you how it's done. <laughs> so just to give you a bit of context, this, this portion of scripture it immediately follows uh, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. So the, the disciples have just witnessed Jesus taking uh, a, few small, a few loaves, a few small fish, and then feeding this huge crowd with more than enough for everyone there and a whole bunch of, of leftovers as well. So I imagine that the the level of faith that the disciples had in this moment was probably quite high. And so straight after that story, we get this one. And it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, while he goes up the mountain to pray. And then in verse 23, When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So there was this storm raging. The disciples are in the boat, they're on the sea, and this storm is raging around them. Has anyone ever been in a boat when a storm's been kicking off? A few of you have. I have not, but I've seen enough movies to know probably not all that enjoyable. And so here they are. The disciples are in this boat. They're surrounded by the storm um, but despite being learned fishermen, so they spent a lot of time on the water. So they will have been used to all kinds of weather systems going on and all kinds of issues. But despite all of that, it says they were afraid. It doesn't say they were afraid, but we can imply that they were, that they were afraid. Why? Because when Jesus comes to them, walking on the water, their first thought is, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. And a common superstition among seafarers of the day is that those who were drowned in the water would then come and haunt those on the water. And so what we're seeing is that actually in this moment, they're fearing for their lives and thinking, oh no, someone who's already drowned is coming to drown me. They've got this fear. They're thinking, we're off to Davy Jones' locker. <clears throat> you know, storms are scary, aren't they? We had some trouble this past Monday. We were having a leaders meeting and there was an incredible thunderstorm going off. 
And so we're there trying to have our conversation, but Toby was not settling. He was not enjoying this really loud thunder kicking off outside. And so we're having to comfort him because he was scared of the storm. And I don't know, I bet there's a few of you who were also scared of that storm on Monday. It was so big. And the storms that we face in life, they can be scary too. They can be scary too. And despite the, the fear we may face, despite the challenges that, that these storms of life might bring, there's often something to be gained from going through them. There's often something to be gained from, from being in a storm. You know, there are some things about Jesus that you can't learn whilst you're sitting in the boat. You'll never know that Jesus is all you need until he's all that you've got. And so here's the thing about this story. Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat and go across to the other side. He sent them. This was his command. This was his instruction to the disciples. Get in the boat and go across to the other side. And like we said last week, Jesus doesn't do things uh, for no reason. He's got a purpose to everything. There's an intentionality behind his actions. And so he didn't ask them. This wasn't a suggestion. This wasn't just a recommendation. He says to them, it says in the word, he made them get in the boat and go to the other side. He made them do it. And so Jesus in all of his wisdom, being, still being fully God, all-knowing, all-powerful, he made them get in the boat and go to the other side. He sent them into a situation knowing full well that it would have them fearing for their lives. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing and he knew what was about to happen. And so he sent them off on their own while he stayed behind to pray. And then it says that Jesus came to them walking on the water. Now, Peter was a, a fisherman by trade, like we've said. His brother Andrew was a fisherman. His father was a fisherman. So being on the water was what they knew best. This was where they were comfortable. This was where they were happy. But they knew that in order to get from where they were to where Jesus had told them to go, you're going to need a boat. You're going to need a boat. And you know, I believe that, that a boat for us, if we're applying this scripture to our lives, I believe that a boat, it can represent our comfort zone. It can represent our, our place of safety. It can represent a place where we feel like we're in control. <clears throat> and last week, we, we looked at the beginning of the relationship between Jesus and Peter. And what I believe is just a beautiful thing that happened in that first interaction is that Jesus got in the boat with Peter. Jesus got in the boat in that moment. He joined Peter in his place of safety. He joined Peter in his comfort zone. He joined Peter in the place where he felt like he was in control. But in this encounter, in this scene, in this moment, Jesus comes to them, not in the boat, but walking on the water. Now there's nothing wrong with our place of safety. There's nothing wrong with, with being in our comfort zone or where we feel a sense of being in control. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But there's more. 
But there's more. Just like there's nothing wrong with being in the crowd, like we said last week. But there's more. But there's more. And in order to experience that more, we've got to take a step of obedience. We've got to take a step of faith. It's time to get out of the boat. It's time to get out of the boat. You, know, you need to do something that you've never done before if you want to see something that you have never seen before. Maybe right now, Maybe right now you feel like you're in a situation and you can relate more to what we talked about last week where Jesus is, is looking at you and he's saying, can I use your boat? Can I join you in your place of safety? Can I join you within your comfort zone, within where you feel safe and secure and let's see what we can do together? And that's great. That's amazing. But maybe in this moment, Jesus is looking at you and he's saying, all right, now it's time to get out of the boat. Now it's time to take that step. Now it's time to maybe get a little bit uncomfortable. It's time to get out of the boat. And everything inside us screams no, doesn't it? Because we love our comfort zone. We love to feel safe. We love to feel secure. We love to feel like we're in control. And so when Jesus says, it's time to get out of the boat, we're like, I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think, I'm not so sure you're right about that. But if you dare to step out of the boat, there's a miracle on the other side of that step. There's a miracle on the other side of that step. And, you know, in a storm, when you're in a storm, it's safer to be out of the boat with Jesus than in the boat without him. It's always safer to be where Jesus is. But our head says the boat is the safest place to be. But Jesus says, come. Those around us tell us, you can't walk on water. That is impossible. But Jesus says, come. The world we live in says, what on earth are you thinking? That is just impossible. That is not going to work out for you. But Jesus says, come. Jesus says, come. And so Peter ignores what might have been in, in his head. He ignores perhaps the murmurs that are going on with the disciples in the boat with him. He ignores everything that he knows to be true. And he puts his life at risk, essentially, by stepping out of the boat. And he fixes his eyes on Jesus. And he begins to walk on the water. You know, if we stay in the boat... If we stay in our place of safety, in our comfort zone where we feel like we're in control, if we stay in the boat, we'll never know what it feels like to walk on the water. We'll never get to experience that. Staying safe is easy. Staying in our comfort zone is easy. Doing what we've always done before is easy. And change is hard. So let's maybe just ask ourselves, what is it that kept the disciples, the other 11, what kept them in the boat? Why didn't they get out of the boat? Why was it just Peter that made that, that step? Well, firstly, it was 
Fear. Fear stopped them making that step. Fear gripped hold of them and kept them in that place where they were. It stopped them from making that step. It stopped them from trusting in Jesus. But faith is the antidote to fear. And my Bible says that we will walk by faith and not by sight. But they were gripped with fear. And so they stayed in the boat. Fear kept them there. But also, I think it was probably the fact that they had a boat. They had a boat. They had this place of safety. They had this place that was comfortable. They felt nice. They might have felt a bit worried about what was going on around them, but they knew that in their heads that that this was the place that they should be. This was the place of safety. So maybe we need to be asking ourselves, what is our boat? What is our boat? What is the thing that, that when fear grips us, when fear sets in, what is the thing that we turn to instead of Jesus? When Jesus calls us into something that, that makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable, when he's calling us to take a step of faith, a step of obedience, when he's saying it's time to get out of the boat, what is that thing that we are clinging onto to help us feel safe? Maybe it's a, a spouse or your parents or a loved one. Maybe it's your career or your finances. Maybe it's your, your good looks or maybe it's your uh, social media following. What is it in your life that makes you feel comfortable and safe and secure that is stopping you from taking that step of faith into the thing that Jesus is calling you into? Whatever it may be for you, whatever it may be for me, maybe God's looking at us and saying, it's time to let go of all of that. It's time to let go of all of that stuff. It's time to leave your comfort zone. It's time to get out of all the things that the earth and the world and society tells us is right for us and is safe for us and is secure for us. It's time to get out of the boat. You know, when Jesus commanded Peter to step out of the water, Peter could have responded, but Jesus, last time we were in this kind of situation, you got into the boat with me. How about we do that again? How about you come here and, and we get, you get in the boat and we see what kind of thing you can do this time? That was good. I enjoyed that one. Let's do that again. In fact, there was another time in between those two moments where they were in a boat with a storm. And this time Jesus was in the boat. He was fast asleep. And the disciples were petrified. And they wake Jesus up and he calmed the storm. So maybe Peter is saying, okay, Jesus, I remember what happened the other time. How about, okay, I'll hear you. I'll get out of the boat. But before we do that, Why don't you just calm the storm? Why don't you just chill out the wind and the waves and let's get it all nice and peaceful and then then I'll step out of the boat. How many of us are waiting for, for all our ducks to be in a row, for everything to be smooth in our lives, for everything to feel just right before we take that step of faith? But in this moment, in this moment, Jesus isn't going to do that. I feel like it's a real nice progression. Jesus has taken Peter on a, on a journey 
of growth. The first time he got in the boat, he says, I'll join you in your place of safety and we'll do something together. And he was blessed and there was this incredible miracle. And then the second time, Jesus was in the boat again and he calmed the storm first. But this time he says, okay, we're going to go a step further now. It's going to be a big step. I'm not in the boat. I'm not going to calm the storm just yet, but I want you to trust in me and to take that step of faith. We can't allow our fears and our doubts and the circumstances that surround us to keep us in a boat that Jesus is calling us out of. If he's calling you out of the boat, he is calling in you into something great. And so we've got to trust in him. We've got to understand him. We've got to hear him and act in obedience. It's time to get out of the boat. Verse 25, it says, In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Jesus' timing is perfect. I don't know about you, but it it doesn't always look like Jesus' timing is perfect. Sometimes it feels like he's showing up maybe a little bit too late. But Jesus' timing is perfect. It says he came in the fourth watch of the night. That's the period between 3 and 6 a.m. I imagine that for the disciples, they'd been in this storm for some time because it was daytime when when they were with Jesus on the shore and he sent them to go to the other side so they've been traveling for some time now and I imagine we don't know this I'm speculating but they've been in this storm for some time and and as you know people who spent a lot of time on the water they probably tried a lot of the strategies that you would try whatever that may be to stay safe in the storm they'd pulled out all the tricks of the trade to, to keep themselves safe and none of it had worked. And so they're scared. They're petrified. They're, they're worried in this moment. They're fearing for their lives. But there's that saying, isn't it? That the night is darkest just before the dawn. The night is darkest just before the dawn. But in the fourth watch, riddled with fear, riddled with doubt, scared for their lives, At the darkest point in the night, the sun was about to appear. S-O-N. The sun was about to appear. I wonder what challenge we're facing in our lives right now where where we're in that dark moment. We're in that what feels like the darkest period of this season. And maybe we could have faith through the first watch. We were okay for that bit. And then time's moving on, but Jesus' timing is perfect. And we're into the second watch and we're still kind of, you know, now we're beginning to feel a little bit nervous, a little bit worried. And then we're into the third watch. Can we have faith through the first watch, through the second watch, through the third watch? I don't know, can we find the faith within us that sustains us all the way through to the fourth watch of the night when it's at its darkest, where we're fearing for our lives, where we're maybe even thinking, is he even going to show up? Can we have that faith that carries us through when it feels like all hope is lost, when it seems maybe even like Jesus has left us, but he never leaves us? 
And I think that's something that we can maybe miss from this, this portion of Scripture, that actually Jesus never leaves us because the Sea of Galilee is quite big. It's not like Fairhaven Lake. It's not even like Lake Windermere. I don't know if this will give you a picture, but it's basically the size of Manchester. That's how big the Sea of Galilee is. And yet Scripture tells us that in the darkest period of the night, Jesus came to them. He came to them. I don't believe that he was just wandering around aimlessly and happened to bump into them in this Manchester-sized sea. It says he came to them. He came to them. He could see them. You know, we may feel sometimes like Jesus has left us. It may feel sometimes like we're in such a dark moment where we're in such a valley of our lives that it feels like Jesus has left us. But the Bible tells us he'll never leave us and he will never forsake us. He is with us now and he says, I am with you always. He came to them. He knew where they were. He came to them. They thought he was a ghost. They thought he wasn't real. They thought it was something else. But Jesus said, don't be afraid. And Peter, hearing Jesus, he says, if it's really you, command me to come. And I love this because last week we looked at at this other picture of Peter and Jesus in the boat. And after fishing all night... These expert fishermen, they fished all night and they caught nothing. But at the word of Jesus, they let down their nets and they caught more fish than they could handle. And now here, in the middle of this storm, at their wits end, fearing for their lives, Peter says, if you give me a word, I will come. One word from Jesus, one act of obedience, one incredible miracle. That's what we're seeing through these stories. One word, come. Come. And at that word, Peter steps out of the boat. He steps out of the boat. He didn't pause and maybe just ask for a little bit of clarity Any details, people in the room? Any process, people in the room? Okay, I hear what you're saying. It's not quite computing with what I know about science and the laws of this earth. So maybe just before I take this step, is there anything that I need to know? Is there any kind of understanding around surface tension or weight distribution that I need to be aware of before I step out of the boat? That's not what happens. None of that. He just gets out of the boat. He just takes that step. It's incredible. No details, no information, no clarity. One word from Jesus, come, and he does it. Amazing. I wonder if maybe there's anyone here this moment who has been seeking God for an answer to something, for a solution to a problem. And what we're doing is we're waiting for all of the details. 
We're hanging on in the moment just thinking, okay, well, I just need a bit of clarity around this thing. And if you can just tell me the next kind of few steps so I can get a big picture of what's going on. And and then maybe I'll begin to do something about it. But what we're seeing here is that he doesn't need to give you the details. He just needs to give you direction. And the direction here is come. It's so simple. And I found that Jesus often is. Because a lot of us, we're not that bright. And so he likes to keep things basic, particularly for me. So he just gives us direction. He says, come. Let's not overcomplicate God. We don't need the details. We don't need the big picture. If we had the big picture, it would blow our minds and we wouldn't even make a start. We don't need the details. We just need direction. Come. Or maybe for you, it's go. Maybe it's go to that place. Maybe it's go to that neighbor or that friend or that colleague and have a chat with them about Jesus. Maybe it's go and forgive. Whatever the direction is that Jesus is pointing you towards, we just need to trust in him. We don't need the detail. We just need the direction. Jesus says to Peter, come. And he gets out of the boat. You know, Jesus told them at the very beginning of this this story we're looking at, he told them to get in the boat, to go to the other side. He didn't say, try to get to the other side. He didn't say, have a go at getting to the other side. He just said, get in the boat and go to the other side because he had something for them at the other side of this journey. He had a purpose for them and a plan for them that was going to happen when they'd made this crossing to the other side of the sea. He didn't give them the details. He didn't give them a four-point action plan. He just said, go to the other side. But this scene, it focuses around the middle of that journey and Jesus was testing them. How many disciples in the boat? Twelve? How many got out of the boat? Just one. These are ordinary people. These are ordinary people, these disciples, like like you and like me. They're just normal people with normal lives and normal jobs, and yet Jesus chose them to follow him. Twelve were in the boat. One gets out of the boat. I hope that's not our percentage success rate in this church. Imagine if only one in 12 got out of the boat. Imagine if only 8.333% of us followed the calling of God and the rest of us, well, I'm just going to hang back here. feels a bit safe and comfortable and I'm quite happy where I'm at. You guys, yeah, you go for it. I'll cheer you from the sidelines. We've got to have faith like Peter. We've got to trust in Jesus like Peter did without hesitation without waiting for all the details, without waiting for the the full plan, the big picture. we just got to have faith like Peter. And we probably all have different responses, and that's okay. You know, Jesus might say to, to one of us, why don't you come? 
and we come. Because the Bible talks about us all having different measures of faith and that we should just live according to the measure of faith that he has given us. And so when Jesus says to, to one of us, he's over there and he says, come. Well, we're like, okay, I'm coming, I'm coming. And we're straight in. But maybe for others, Jesus says, come. And we're like, mm, well, let's just, let's just see what it's like down here. Let me just test the waters a little bit. And they're both okay. They are both fine. Those responses are both great because the importance isn't about how quickly you get out of the boat. It's that you get out of the boat. It's time to get out of the boat. Verse 29, so Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on the water and he comes to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he begins to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. So Jesus calls and Peter gets out of the boat and he's out there and he's doing it. The impossible has become possible. He is actually walking on the water. But after a while, his focus slips off Jesus, off the one who called him out of the boat in the first place and onto what is going on around him. The wind, the waves, the storm raging and he begins to sink. When we take our eyes off Jesus... The storms of life will overcome us. We'll be knocked over. We'll be overwhelmed by the weight of what's going on around us. We'll find ourselves knocked and battered and broken by the waves and the storms of life that rage around us. When we stop looking to Jesus, we'll begin to sink. We get sucked into temptation. We get overwhelmed by life and we forget who's in control. We forget who it was that called us out of the boat in the first place. And so Peter begins to sink and as he begins to sink, what did he do? He didn't turn back round to the boat, to the place of safety, to his comfort zone and try, try to get there as quick as possible. He didn't try to resolve this situation on his own. Okay, I think uh, I, I'm a pretty decent swimmer. I'll just tread some water for a little bit and see if someone can throw me a life ring. No, his first response, his first reaction, it says immediately he cried out, Lord, save me. That was his reaction. There was no hesitation. There was no pause. He knew that he'd fallen. He knew that he'd failed. He knew that he'd messed up. And his response was immediately to turn back to Jesus. Lord, help me. That is a picture of how we need to be living our lives. Because we will mess up. We might be walking in the plans and purposes that God has for our lives, but we will stumble. It's inevitable. But what we can't do is allow that moment to stop us from picking ourselves back up again and fixing our eyes back on Jesus immediately. Don't let the enemy creep in and say, oh, you've fallen over, you better stay down there for a minute. You better hang out there and just wallow in self-pity and, and sink under the pressure of your sinful nature. We gotta pick ourselves back up immediately and cry out to Jesus, Lord, help me. And I love this because it says, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand 
and took hold of him immediately. Peter took his eyes off Jesus just for a moment. But Jesus never took his eyes off Peter. You may lose sight of Jesus with whatever it is that's going on around you, with whatever storm is kicking off in your lives. But he never loses sight of you. He never loses sight of you. Your faith may fluctuate. It might be strong sometimes and it might be weak at other times. But the good news is that God's faithfulness is constant. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And so Peter started to sink and he cried out to Jesus. And immediately Jesus grabs hold of him and pulls him to safety. And then he says some words that make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. It feels to me maybe a little bit harsh because Jesus says to Peter, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt me? Wow. There are 11 other disciples still in the boat. I got out. I walked on water. I did what you told me to do. He took his eyes off Jesus for a moment and he began to sink. And now he's being called out for his lack of faith. If that's little faith, what the heck is my faith? Flipping, eh? You of little faith. He said the same words to the disciples when they woke him up in the boat and he calmed the storm. He calmed the storm and then he says, Oh, you of little faith. He was frustrated at their lack of faith, even if it was just for a moment. And he was frustrated because he knows the power and the work that we can do when we have faith in him. Because my Bible says that with faith as small as a mustard seed, we can say to this mountain, get over there. With just a little faith. And so Jesus is just frustrated because he knows the potential that they have when they just have faith in him. And so let me, just, let me just wrap this up now. Because just like our story last week, it wasn't about the fish. This story this week, it isn't about Peter walking on the water. Neither of these stories are about the miracle. It's about what follows the miracle. It's about our response to the word of Jesus. And the response that we see in this moment as Jesus and Peter step back into the boat is that they worship him. They worship him and they say, truly, you are the son of God. I don't know, I wonder if maybe the most important lesson that we can glean from this story is how we respond to the power of Jesus. Because our response to the power of Jesus should be worship. I think this story is a lesson in worship. Because there were three miracles in this story. Jesus walked on the water. Peter walked on the water. And then Jesus calmed the storm. But the climax to this story is found in verse 33. When the disciples worship Jesus and declared for the very first time, Truly, you are the Son of God. When we encounter Jesus... When we truly experience his power and his might, our natural response should be 
to declare his sovereignty and to worship him. And I believe that Matthew intentionally highlights this moment because that's the point. Because that's the point. This story of Peter, it isn't about his faith or lack thereof. Ultimately, it's about the power of Jesus and how we respond to that. Because our response to Jesus should be the same as the disciples, that when we encounter him, it should bring us to a place and to a posture of worship. It should remind us who we are and who he is. Peter stepped out of the boat. He heard the call of God. He heard the word of God and he was obedient by stepping out of the boat. He's got a story to tell. He's got a story to tell. I can imagine that Peter told that story a lot of times after this, probably leaving out the bit where he sank. He will have lived off that story for quite some time. If you want a story, you've got to get out of the boat. You know, God wants to do incredible things in your life. God has got plans and purposes for each and every one of you that are far beyond your wildest dreams, your wildest expectations. Anything that you could be thinking about, Jesus has got so much more for you. God's got walking on water moments for each and every one of us. But we're not going to know what that feels like if we don't get out of the boat. It's time to get out of the boat. Why don't we pray? Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that when, when we read your word, when we study your word, that you just bring to light maybe things that we haven't even noticed before, even with stories that we've read hundreds of times. And God, I pray this morning that as we've studied this passage, that you are speaking to some people in this room, that you are challenging us. It's time to get out of the boat. Stop waiting for the detail. Stop waiting for the plan. Stop waiting for the storm around you to be calm. Fix your eyes on Jesus and step out of the boat. God, I thank you that on the other side of that step, there's a miracle waiting to happen. There's a story to be told for each and every one of us. And I pray right now that you would give us the boldness and the courage and the faith to believe that we can step out of the boat and into your goodness. Because your love never fails. That you wouldn't call us out of the boat if you didn't have a plan to sustain us. And we might not know what that looks like. Peter didn't know what that was going to look like, but he just trusted that you had him, that you got him. And so I pray that we would have faith like Peter to trust in you so that we can step out of the boat and see what you've got next.